You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Abrochem. This is Some of My Best Friends are Kabbalists. I'm here with Rav Nossan Notaglik, who is usually in Ashkelon, but is now in the wonderful Israeli city of Malot, correct? Yes, I am. Yes. And I'm not sure if that's a segula for Machshovis Elionos, as, as the Shmogoram, perhaps. But clearly, when it comes to Hanukkah, there is uh, so much mystical ideas that are swirling around Hanukkah, uh, as you would expect. And I, I think what makes it even more intriguing is that we have a rabbinical mitzvah totally created from uh, the Rabbanan, and yet it taps into principles that we know are, if you take it from a mystical perspective, are the same principles that govern many of the mitzvot of the Torah. And uh, it'd be wonderful, Nate, if we could discuss Ner Hanukkah, the days that are left for us, uh, in a way that persons that are involved in this mitzvah could perhaps take it and have a perspective and a feeling that it is more than just a beautiful commemoration of the miracle of the Pachashemen or the miracle of the battle that was, the many battles that were won that engendered Jewish independence, but rather it's somehow something that seems to be insignificant, but really has very deep sources. Well, I'd like to maybe, even if we get that far, we can touch upon one of the questions that you seem to come back to from time to time, which is, uh, how is it that you have Goinim and uh, other Chachamim that uh, seem inclined to categorize uh, Hanukkah or Neris Hanukkah as being actually one of the Taryag mitzvahs? Which, is, which the Rambam, of course, goes to town on all of them by, by saying, you know, what Taryag mitzvah wasn't given to Moshe of Sinai, and Chachamim, you know, came up with it later, then what kind of Taryag mitzvahs, you know, could it be? So there might be an angle on that. I agree. There is a Kabbalistic take on Hanukkah probably aligns with what you're saying, the shitas of the Gaonim and, and, and others, that Hanukkah is more than just a rabbinic creation. It somehow taps into a, a, a mitzvah from the Torah itself. And it's, it's bigger than we think it is. I think that's really the point. So I'll just uh, I'll start by saying that there's a general consensus amongst uh, Darshanim that uh, Hanukkah has something to do with a concept called the Or Hagonus. Or Haganus, if you're going to say it correctly. And that goes back to the um, story of Bereshis and in the first day of creation, where Hakadish Baruch Hu says, He or, why he or, and then he separated the light from the darkness and created the concepts of, of day and night. Now, the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars and all those, you know, heavenly bodies that uh, we usually associate with, uh, with light in the universe, that doesn't happen until day four of my Sabratius. So what kind of light was this? 
I mean, well, you know, how do you how do you have light before you have a sun to shine it? It's a good question. And Chazal's basic position on this was that this or was not the same kind of light that you have after the creation of the sun and the moon. It's a different. It's a different thing. It's a certain very spiritual, very abstract, or however you want to think of it, kind of illumination that differs substantially from anything that we would be getting from any other kind of fire, nuclear fusion, or whatever there might be out there. Okay, so it's not it's not a physical light, it's a it's a spiritual light. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu has to hide this light away at some point. Kind of unclear exactly when he does that. But uh, he has to hide it away because it's not appropriate for the Rishayim to have access to this light. So this is light that uh, that maybe Rishayim could see, but it wouldn't be good if they did. That's also a question, like what's the you know what's the story? But um, so Chazal said that Kadosh Baruch Hu was going as the uh, was was going as the or, which is why it's called Or Hagonos until this very day. And uh, there's a famous comment from the Baal Shem Tov Hakodesh that uh, the Or Hanignaz or the Or Haganuz was Nignaz in the Torah itself. So there's a very strong predisposition, you know, if, we're, if already we're talking about iris and light and all that, it's a very strong predisposition to associate Ner Hanukkah uh, with the Or Haganuz. Would be nice. You know, it would make sense, um, except that that's not, you know, that's not really very clearly played out anywhere specifically. So you have to go on, on, on a bit of a treasure hunt and a bit of a stretch to make it to make this idea stick. I, I think we, we, we have to preface before we you know, connect the, the small little oil candle to the supernal light is to, to explain clearly that the idea of Aragonos is, uh, and as you say, it's really, it's Nignaz, so we don't know what it is, but we know that all or, no matter how it's fashioned, is somehow a toldor, of, of that or. In other words, the, the, I, it's almost like, yeah, you think you know what or is? When God said yihi or, which is in, in a way, the first words of creation, whether Beratius is a mimer or not, but the f- words that indicate God is now creating something, he or that or, as you say, is not tethered to an orb. So that would be this idea of or, this idea of or, which is definitely uh, something fantastic, fantastic, meaning we, we don't even understand how bright or what its properties are. What we have as or is Somehow, using the, the, the standard Kabbalistic phrases, nishtalshel from that or. So even you know, the, the sunlight is nishtalshel from that or. Uh, the match fire is nishtalshel from that or. So, you know, similar to the idea that we've talked about often between us, that the midas of human beings the, are, are, are somehow connected to the spheres of Yonis, that the ava that we feel towards our partners, our wives, and others is really part of the idea of chesed or, or ava of the Rabbanishom to, to the Nivroyim. In the same way, uh, any idea of or that we have here is somehow part of that bigger or. 
if that is true, then it might not be so hard to somehow say that this very modest little oil lamp can somehow be the bridge to the great or because in a way even you know the great light of of galaxies of suns and galaxies is also nothing compared to the great or that was that that, that prefaces it's almost you know if if, if we say that that or is is almost or in sophie in a certain way so the difference between a, a, a sun uh whether it's vega or or our sun and the little candle that that is outside of your home in Ashkelon, it's really well, those two aren't really that much. Those are pretty much the same. They're both finite compared to, relatively speaking. Yeah, there's a relativistic attitude toward it, but ultimately, you know, they're both in the same boat in the end. And um, I just want to play off of something that you mentioned because you you also connected the art to Mirasachesed, and I just want to say that that is. That's also a major theme. Uh, there's some sort of or ha-chesed, which is associated with this uh, or ha-gonos also. And chesed is because it's the first day of creation. The first meat of, this, of the of the Sheva Mida Sabinia is, is chesed, obviously. So it's good to associate this kind of uh, illumination with, with Mida Sachesed. You know, many uh, of our listeners might be familiar with the shyness of Chazal that you know, Ruach Kodesh Baruch Hu Sheina or whatever it was, Roy for Shem, Omad Vigonzoi, with Sadikim which indicates that somehow actual finite human beings, Sadikim, can somehow tap into that or in the future. Vigonzoi with Sadikim yeah. Anyway, I was I was here by I'm here by my host. I'm I'm here in uh, in Maalot, and my host is uh, Rabbi Yoshua Colette, who who used to be the um, Rav of the city of Mumbai in India, and um, then he he moved to Eretz Yisrael a number of years ago. So we've been we've been pretty close. <clears throat> we've been pretty close since we met, and um, he said over something that the. Nes Hanukkah involves the light coming out of a lamp that is not burning its oil. As the whole the whole nest is, is that is that the uh, oil that should have lasted for one night lasted for eight. So that means that however you however you slice it, um, that there's some sense in which the oil is not being burnt up. It's either being burnt up more slowly than it would ordinarily. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not being burnt up at all, or they just put all the oil in the first night, and then it continued to light literally for the next seven nights without being without being diminished. There's, I believe, there's some some terut, you know, some kushis and terutsa from the Beisayesif on on why you do why you do eight uh, eight nights of hadlokas uh, neiros or eight days of Hanukkah. So how was it that there was a nest on the first night? Well, the, the nest on the first night was that they you know filled it up with oil on the first night. Then when they got in in the morning, it was still full of oil. So that meant that there had been light without burning up the substance that carries, that uh, contributes to it. And that would be very much uh, in line with the Orhagonus because the Orhagonus is the light that doesn't consume anything. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to destroy some, 
some part of the physical reality in order to perpetuate itself. So any other any other kind of light, including sunlight, requires fuel to burn. You know, so there you go. That's your that is a direct reference, really, to the idea of aragonos. So I, I thought that was a pretty pretty cool idea, um, except maybe for the fact that uh, I don't know whether the Chazal had any authentic teachings on what fuels the sun. It wouldn't be a stretch to associate sunlight with with uh, with the regular candlelight based simply on that fact. Okay, they both consume the fuel that uh, that they need in order to create the light. I guess I should also add at this juncture that there's a, a similar inference that you can make based on, let's say, the Psikta. Psikta lists seven Hanukkahs that there were in the you know in the world since uh, since creation. So there was a there was a Hanukkah of Shemayim Vaaretz. And um, the Hanukkah of Shemayim Vaaretz was the hanging of the luminaries in the heavens. So, so that's a very direct correlation between the sun and the moon and, and the regular uh, regular luminaries with with Neiris Hanukkah. It's also a little bit problematic according to according to this because then it turns out that Neiris Hanukkah are, are nimshal to the sun and the moon and the planets. You know, so. Um, that actually doesn't go along all that well with the with the Oregonus concept. You know, we, we were talking uh, off pod about uh, the idea of Oregonus. We we saw it really in, 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 in I think you've we've described one part of that idea of Oregonus, which is once Yom Ravi came, and we now had an actual sun to generate. The, the light and the uh, so the oragonos sort of like recede in the background, but there was another idea of oragonos that seems to be they say that it's from the Yerushalmi in Brochos. Yeah, Brochos Perikhes Mishnah Hey or Halacha Hey. Yes, so over there we have another idea of oragonos, or at least right the 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 we talk about this supernal aura, and that is that although there was a sun giving what we would assume is the, the, the natural light of the sun that we have today, but Adam's creation was somehow backed up by some super light that lasted that whole 12 hours of daylight of what we call Yom HaShishi, and then continued for 24 hours straight what we would call the first Shabbos. So even though we say Vayer Vayivoker Yom Hashishi, Chazal, at least from that perspective, say there was a, a, a there was an aspect of that that did not happen, right? Vayer Vayivoker Yom Hashishi uh, is only true about the sixth day, but on the seventh day, there is no erev that is occurring, and that somehow all day that for Shabbos it's it's light the whole time. This is backed up by the Gemara Psochim that is very familiar to many people, that it was only on Motzei Shabbos, that first Motzei Shabbos, that Onam Arishon was, and I know you wanted to talk about this, but this uh, the, the fear that, uh, that overtook Odom at that point was that the world was going to... Back to Tohu Barol. At least that's, that's the language in the Yerushalmi. I couldn't find the actual... Right, that, that basically it would be what we call entropy that everything would basically dissolve. And it was only when Odom was able to somehow 
put these two bricks together and create some sort of flame that Odom recognized that this was something that was not the end of the world. It was a darkness, but that darkness would recede and there would be a, a, pardon the expression, there would be a Sunday morning to come. Um, So what those 36 hours have, have also been labeled as the Oragonu's time. And uh, which I guess brings us to the the Arekeach, who is working with this number, and the number twelve hours and twenty four equals thirty six. Similarly, the first three days of creation, there's twelve hours of sunlight. It's not really sunlight. Twelve hours of light of of go of or light which we will say is called what's called Orangono's light. So there you have two 36s. And as we know from uh, the amount of Neros Hanukkah that one would light if he would want to do the Mahadrin of their Hanukkah, which is one, one candle per day, right? You would take one plus two plus three plus four plus five, well, that's what we all do. You know, I don't think I have to explain that very much. It's not an obscure. It's from something, you know. Right. We all know that that equals 36. And now we have, again, a connection to those 36 candles that the Mahadran people use, which, which most people do. Right. That's the, um, the Rakeach's source for directly associating the Oregonos with, uh, with Hanukkah. It's the, it's the number 36. But... I never, I never, frankly, heard the the shot that uh, that it's um, the twelve hour day parts of, of the first three days of creation, or the thirty six hours the or was uh, available for. So what I always understood was that the the or was present throughout Sheshis to the end of Shabbos, and you know, I mean, you can you can have you can have the you can have the iris hanging in the rakia, but uh, you know that doesn't necessarily make the make the uh, or had, you know does make the original or disappear. What makes the original or disappear is the fact that it's not available. You know that it's that it's not available in in our common experience. You know you have to, and it's it's not it's only available to, for for tzaddikim of love. So it's nignas within the framework of the the seven days of creation. But relative to us, it is nignas because we don't have we don't have access to it. So you want to count you want to count the thirty six hours from the first moment that Hakadosh Baruch Hu was musasik with Adam Harishan because those are the those are the hours that Adam Harishan had access to the original light. I mean, there's a little bit a little bit of a cash over here because I mean what, you know Adam wasn't really conscious for any Mishar Rishan or Gubbly, you know. <laughs> We still mud, but you know. But maybe, maybe, maybe since the the uh, the offer over there of, of Ganeden with had special qualities, maybe maybe there's you know some sort of proto consciousness or some sort of embryonic consciousness that Rishon already had at the at the first hour over there. So you could say that he was Mshamesh Boira, you know, for the full thirty six hours. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is is that we know there's been speculation by people who want to, I, don't know, I guess we could call them creationists or, or people who try to align the age of the universe with the biblical story of creation in terms of time and hours. 
And there are many that say that the, the time of the first six days, including that first Shabbos, it was not the way we necessarily understand time in terms of minutes and hours. But uh, there's a whole new shine on it now. Because if, if you're saying that the Oregonos didn't really go away once the celestial orbs were placed and the suns with their light beaming in their various galaxies, but there were still, the Oregonos were still somehow able to be tapped into. I mean, they call Arshivasime Baratius. I don't know where that quote comes from. Arshivasime Baratius. Maybe, maybe it's an appeal to something. I know it's a, it's a possible. We are Arhalubanakarachama. And Orachamo Shivasayim, isn't it from that Pasuk over there? My point is, is that if you have regular movement of the earth in, in correlation to the sun, so you basically have sunlight providing light. The Oregonus is sort of like sort of like an oramakif using tabalistic terms around everything, somehow permeating within there. I mean autumn wakes up or is created and the light, I assume it's being amplified, based on what you're saying, it's either amplified or somehow in a way affected, right? You know, there's autumn's walking around in the, in the fantastic sunlight of the first, of that first day, that day six of creation. But there's, the, there's but, but the supernal light that we call Oragonas is somehow also reaching through the, what we would call normal day and affecting Adam as well. And, and that somehow, although normally uh, the, the earth moves and, and it spins on its axis, and therefore a human being would be in the dark because the earth would be away from the sun, somehow the Or Hagonus on that Shabbos was able to uh, give its light through that. I mean, you'd have to also say that. I mean, if, if the Oregonus was never Nignaz, then, then, you know, so maybe somehow the Orhagonus is able to interact with its opposite, which, which would be Choshech. I mean, you, you, would, you would assume that, you know, that if Kaddish Baruch Hu said he or then Vayavdil can be an Oregon and a Choshech. And, you know, Choshech, Luyam Kor Yoyim, or the Choshech Kor Laila. So you would imagine that the Laila is kind of devoid of, of Oregonus, which would certainly be the, you know, the, the Pashtistic thing to say, but you know if there if there is a corollary <clears throat> between Aragonos and Hanukkah, it certainly indicates that that uh, darkness is not an impediment to the influence of Aragonos and of Aragonos maybe as a kind of a or makif mibachutz or something, but it includes darkness as well as light in itself. And that's despite the fact that Hakadosh Baruch is really mavdil between these these two things. But that first Shabbos, it did not somehow. Adam Arishon, based on the, the Gemara Selchem Avli and Yerushalmi, at least for that Shabbos, he never experienced anything like Choshech at all. Right. And that, that would have been, I think, about, uh, you know, Alpi Pshat would be a, the Segul of Shabbos. You know, there's no Vayir or Vayir Yom Echod or Shayim Sheni. You know, Shabbos doesn't have, uh, Shabbos doesn't have that, that bifurcated element to it. And so, and if you if you're looking at it from a point of view of Kabbalah, so you'd say that that in any one of these days of creation, the Iker Mida is the Yom, and the Malchus of that Mida is Lila, and you have to have a Yichud between 
Yoim and Lila, and out of that Yichud of Yoim and Lila, something, all Yichudim give birth to things. So you have to ask yourself, it's not it's not so much a sequential thing as this happened after this, and this happened after this, and this happened after this, then came Shabbos, and then Matzah Shabbos, you know, other region was out. You know, you have to conceive of it actually as the universe is six, you know, is is uh, is uh, six days of creation plus Shabbos. That's all time. But out of this Madrega of all time, you have the birth of a lower level of existence, a lower level of time, which is that would be like Zman Ha'olam. Okay. And that would be where Adam Harishan has to go to be Mashlam the Tikkun that he could have done while he was in, in Oilam Atzilus, you know, but but uh, but caused all of the elements to fall out of that. And now there's a discrete Oilam Hasiyah. And the only way to do anything in the real Oilam Hasiyah is to get your hands dirty and come into Oilam Hasiyah, live and die, and go through that uh, that thing we call life. Anyway, the point the point is that there's no beginning, you know, there's no be- before and after in this conception. If the Oregonas could be Mashamish, all Shiva as a factor that, that makes the that makes that work. But the reality that we live in where there's no Orhagonos, where where we have to uh, you know, Gonzila Tzadik that is a lower Madrega that is actually born out of those Yemei Bereshis together with uh, together with Shabbos. Right, so Shabbos is a bazinder madrega within within the Yemei Take the whole picture together. Imagine as let's say Sheshis Yemei as a zohar and, and and Shabbos itself as a as a as a nekeva. What does that give birth to? So that gives birth to, you know, all of the other other oilimus. and those are the oilimus that ultimately Adam Rishon is megurash to. That's how the Arhagonas can be continuous throughout all of Shivi Yemei you know, but then, but other Mauritian would only lose access to it once he is born as a creature into this world. So we, let's think of, of the way, you know, we, we've talked about how this, you know, this sort of paradoxical aspect of, of supernal light can be, you know, the essence in a way, the bulwark of, of what's happening in creation. How do you think, I mean, obviously we have an incredible power as human beings to institute laws that become part of the Torah. We go back again to the Ba'ag again, you know. We could create a mitzvah that somehow this created mitzvah uh, can tap people into something that that is usually reserved only for tzaddikim wasad lovay. Somehow the 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 hadloka, and it's not just thinking about it sitting in your room, although maybe in some way a person who doesn't have near Hanukkah and is a roya near Hanukkah could also you know somehow if he's roya the the neiros he could also at least tap into the the oragonos by making that bracha connecting to it. How do you see that working? How do you see this this mitzvah that we go back to what I started today? The mitzvah that these that the rabbis created. Somehow has a segula of oragonos that almost lulav doesn't have, shoifer doesn't have. All the mitzvahs of the Torah, which are, as we say, midaraisa, do not somehow envelop you or connect you to the supernal light. Yet, yeah. Well, I think a good way to start would just for me to be 
I'm going to very quickly go over the, the Yerushalmi, which I have right in front of me. And let's, you know, give the high points of it. You know, Rabbi Levi B'Shem, Rabbi B'Zeira, Shloishim Sheshoishim Shoishahorah, Shanibris B'Yam Rishon. That light of Yom Rishon subsisted, you know, continued to do its stuff for 36 hours. Now, that would sound almost immediately like what you were saying. It's three times 12 hours, right? The but Hashem made on the first day continues for 36 hours. But then it says like this. It says that when are these 36 hours? Shtemesri be'erev Shabbos. Shtemesri be'leil Shabbos. Shtemesri be'shabbos. So this would this was already much more like what I was saying. The Aragonus was never never went away yet, and and it and other Marishan had access to it in some kind of conscious state for 36 hours. So there's a sense that if you're in the if you're in the area where or you're in the realm of existence in which you can have access to the Aragonas, it never stops. It's Misaifoil and Mosaif, it's 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 limitless. So once Shabbos was over, so then the so then the darkness became began to approach. You know, Adam Rish is looking at the darkness that he's never seen before, and he's saying maybe maybe this is the Nachash, which is very very interesting. It's like it's, it's like he's looking at the reality that he finds himself in and saying, well. You know, the, the entropy of reality, the fact that things are running down, the fact that things are getting darker, that is Mamash the Nachash, and it's going to come to kill me. who prepared for Adam Rishon two shingles. But I'm just to explain that a shingle, you know, it's a roofing tile, but it's actually made out of a piece of uh, flint. Because it's flint, you can kind of slice it into, into thin strips, and it goes pretty well on a roof. So they're called for often. And he banged them one on the other. So, you know, Adam Marisha gets his first access to fire. Um, so, according to the Yerushalmi, really the the uh, idea of Adam Marisha and his his and the absence of the Oregon is connects to Matzah um, Shabbos. That's, 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 when we, that's when we make the brach on the fire. However, um, there's another Gemara, which is this one's from the Bavli, and it's in Masechus of Baidazaris. And there's a lot of people who make this connection recently. That's why I've read a number of essays about it. And um, it, it notes that there's, you know, Goisha holidays, uh, Saturnura and Kalanda, um, which are eight days before eight days before the darkest night of the of the year and eight days afterwards. And there's a siman, a chor, a chor v'kedem tzartan. You know, you you fashion me front and back. And Tanur Rabbanu l'fishera Adam Rishon shemis ma'id b'hoyleh. Since Adam Rishon saw that the that that the light is going away, the sunlight is getting less and less. Maybe the world's going back to total chaos. This is the death that was decreed. He sat in Tainus for eight days. And since he saw Kufus Teves, so he saw the shift of the seasons, 
So we saw the days getting longer. Amar min hagi shel oilim kum. Halach vasa shmeid yamim l'shana acheres asan lehiluim. So basically, he 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 made eight day celebration to celebrate the fact that the you know that the world isn't spinning completely out of control. That the sun goes away, but it's but it's gonna but it but it's also it also comes back, and this is now part of the natural order of things. So originally, when Adam Rishon made this holiday, he made it as a as a as a good thing. It was a avodas Hashem, but afterwards they turned it into avodazar. Right now, so people ask: Is there is there some sort of shaykhus between this and uh, and Hanukkah? I mean, aside from the the obvious date, you know, the dates more or less correspond. The answer would appear to be yes, because. You know, you, you have two stories about other Mauritian's trauma at finding himself outside the realm of the of the original light. Okay, in the, in the first one, he's afraid that maybe this darkness itself is is my enemy and it's going to destroy me. Okay, so and and the, the tikkun to that problem is simply the technological advancement of of having fire. But then he also notices that the days are getting shorter and he think, and then you know the idea comes back that like maybe the universe is spinning completely out of control. So when Adam Arishan realizes that no it's the universe is not spinning completely out of control, this is part of the stable structure of the universe, he makes a celebration which you know I mean it does seem to connect to it does seem to connect to Hanukkah. Imagine that what would the Aragonos mean to the world that we inhabit, you know, if you don't, even if you don't directly access it, but the simon that there is such a thing as Aragonos is embedded in the fact that the universe will not completely spin out of control, because there are limits on how dysfunctional the universe can become. There's limits on how short the days can be. Everything in the end is going to balance itself out, and that concept of balance and and uh, wholeness, I would say, is a Indian of the Aragonus. So ultimately, celebrating Hanukkah and doing and doing Hanukkah Licht serves to remind us at least some aspect of the orderliness of nature that we can count on, that we can rely on, is a reflection of Hakadosh Baruch Hu's Chasadim that Liktach in the in the Aragonus. So we need to spread the concept of the Aragonus, but basically to teach us that. Nature is not something other than Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Nature is something that is an alternative expression of that same achdus and joy and love and and uh, and light that uh, Hakadosh Baruch Hu has for us in in Olam Haba. Right? And doing that would obviously have a lot of have a lot of effect in terms of teaching us not to go astray after philosophy and science, and because of that lose our emuna. Rather, quite the opposite. The way that the forces of nature are balanced and harmonious, at least to, enough to allow us to live here, is itself a manifestation of the chesed of the, of the Aragonas, and we need to recognize it as such. So this would be kind of an antidote, perhaps, to Chochmah Yerongis. It might also provide somewhat of, a, of an answer to I think something that has perplexed persons, which is why didn't Chazal record a definitive Megillah or Sipur of, of Hanukkah? A number of lines in Megillah's Tainus, you know, although they've been analyzed to the nth degree, don't provide anything like the type of 
nuance and graphic images that Megillus Esther had. We don't have a story. And maybe it's only through this mystical take on Hanukkah can we be satisfied why there isn't a, a story. As much as, oh, come children and hear the story of me and Antiochus and Yehuda, and that's not what it's about. That story would be very, very hard to tell. You know, because because what you're what you're really what you're really saying is that is that you know to some extent there's like a you know there's a this avodas are this is this this tarbus yivonis that we're trying to trying desperately to get away from. But in the meanwhile, just bear in mind that there's some analog here between between some kind of uh, pagan practices and 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 Yiddishkeit. Okay, so I, I just don't see any reason why Chazal would actually want to broadcast that. Certainly back then. You know when when the whole when the whole issue was very sensitive because in terms of providing the concrete connecting element, Purim of course has the Megillah, Hanukkah, which doesn't have that. It's frustrating because you would think, well, everybody is going to basically impose upon the you know mm-hmm. Hanukkah, looking for some sort of what's the story? I mean, here we have. Whether Shavuos is the descriptions of Matan Torah in the Torah, whether Pesach is the descriptions of Itzias Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf, Hanukkah does does not have anything like that. It's completely untethered to a, a certain specific words and phrases, and therefore, I'm saying it's almost like if we don't accept the mystical take on Hanukkah, we have a period, a Chag, or whatever you want to call it, the Chag is a misnomer. It's missing an anchor, it's missing guts, it's missing almost everything. And because of that, if you take what you're trying to articulate for us, whether it's the Rokeach, or the Bnei or the Maral, or others, and that somehow this is connected to this Or Hagamus, then it, it's, it's, it makes sense that we don't tether it to a specific story or a specific series of events. The event that it's tethered to is, is well, first of all, it's, a very, it's very universal. It's very, it's very out there. It's also very sublime. Basically, the, in order to understand the impact of it, you have to understand the difference. You have to understand the Aragonos itself, which is, which is not part of our... our uh, you know, regular framework. I just wanted to say, back going back to the the original question of, of why did any of the Goinim think that uh, Hanukkah deserves to be included in Taryag mitzvahs? So here, so here you have a possible answer to that. You know, the the impression being that this would have been a legitimate holiday under different circumstances, and this would have been a holiday that would have been. You know, kept by Adam Arishan and kept by all of uh, you know by everybody, and and included in the Torah, if not for the fact that things went you know things went south and everything had to do with this Rabbi Dazara. So the Torah had to be ma'alim the you know the nature of the of the event that's being commemorated, right? And then and then you know later on after after you have after you have the proper circumstances, which is kind of like a nitzachin on Rabbi Dazara. And uh, and the nitzachin on chachmeivonis, you know that you can actually release the backstory, so to speak, to to Hanukkah. So you know it would have it's it's a it's a mitzvah that could have been the araisa, 
under other circumstances. So even when Chachamim are geyserit, they're not geyserit as a completely unsupported gezeira. It's a, it's, a, it's a return of something that was long lost and repressed. So therefore, it deserves, it deserves to be a bintar yag mitzvah in that respect. You know, again, I want to close here, but I think by doing what we're doing and discussing it in this way, I think we are also blunting the effect of well, Hanukkah. Here's Christmas, uh, you know, with its you know nine hundred pound gorilla uh, legs stomping into the room. Uh, we know that. <laughs> You have to put up with Christmas trees. We know that the pagan origins of Christmas are well known. That's it. The Saturnalia and the Saturnalia is the Calendera. And and if you speak to Catholic priests, they will tell you how important Easter is for its historical, biblical, actual words from the their testament, whereas Christmas is. Is clearly just a, uh, you know, it, it's this idea that is entrenched in humanity's, I guess, collective consciousness of that order having the universe is not spinning out of control, uh, that there is something, a bulwark of, of energy behind it. And that is obviously the Saturnalia events and, and, and holidays are obviously what was refashioned into well, the birth of of of, this, of the Savior. Um, yes, that's pretty self-evident. So, so I think really what we have to say is, is that there really is a, you know, that, that Hanukkah is really tapping into, you know, a, an or, and, and maybe even, you know, in some weird way, you know, despite how, you know, fully Christmas, I mean, it's all Xmas out. In a way, it, it sounds like there might be some sort of achurayan of that or that somehow is being absorbed in ways that generate tremendous acts of kindness and, as we say, goodwill towards human beings that doesn't happen on the planet normally, right? As, as much as we, I don't want to be affected by the spirit of Christmas, you can't deny uh, the amount of good that there is an outpouring of chasodim, however, however fleeting, temporary, and and superficial it might be. Um, you know, but the, I would okay. What you're saying reminds me very much of the story of, of uh, how uh, Axis and Allied forces in World War One actually stopped the battle because right. Of, that, that's one example, but there's there's countless numbers of examples that that can't just be ignored. There are so many incredible exhibitions of the human spirit that you can't say it's all uh, Hollywood tinsel in order to sell an idea. And maybe what's really happening is there's a tapping into the Oragonos as well. Yeah, I, I guess so. That sounds makes sense to me. I mean, after the, you know, the world needs something to hold it together. <laughs> Certainly. The challenge of keeping uh, of keeping the universe sane, considering how uh, people are capable of mis- of mismanaging. Let's sign off with a, uh, instead of guten freilichen or lichtiken, a stable, <laughs> a stable sane. <laughs>
a stable, sane, supportive Hanukkah to all. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 